hearing the sound of human flesh on flesh hitting each other, you never forget that sound. Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Today we're talking about rape and violence at bars. Not a fun subject, but an important one. My guest is Nate Olson. He's worked at bars all over the country. He was managing Make Westing in Oakland, California during the incident with the Proud Boys and the Neil Wilson vigil last summer. He had a lot of great advice to share. Let's get into it. Reputations uh, for where people feel that this is a bar where it's a pickup joint where men are going to harass us the whole time, and a lot of times women aren't looking for that by any means. You know, nobody is. You know, and so it's that's very difficult. Yeah. So say you see a guy like grab a girl, what would and they're obviously, you know, tipsy or yeah. What would be your next step? Uh, at that at that time period, if I'm if I'm being aware of it, I'm watching the situation develop. I'll make sure that I, I watch to see what the facial, uh, what happens with their face, whether they're smiling, whether they're scared. Also, body language, whether they're pulling away or leaning towards them. Uh, I'm very on top of letting my uh, my security know as well. Hey, can you just watch this couple over here in the corner? Let me know if the person's going too far, or if the woman needs any help at all. Uh, it's so that's been really effective. Some of the different things that we've discussed in the past and a lot of other bars are doing is where they put uh, signs up saying, hey, there's an angel shot that you can order. That really doesn't work right now because everybody knows of that term. And it's been been repeated so many times on Facebook over and over. So we've been really, uh, I've spent a lot of time discussing what are some of the better options on how to be preventive of creating uh, of a situation possibly happening. Because over the last couple of years, I've had some really unique, different things happen. And it's uh, and you really don't know if it's bad until it happens right in front of your face. And so, for instance, uh, I've had a time where I showed up to work at Make Westing, and a woman was totally fine talking with me, uh, laughing. She was with her guest, and they were having a great time. And then ten minutes later, she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't open up her screen on her phone. And yet, when looking at her, her eyes were totally fine. Uh, there was not bloodshot. She did not reek of alcohol. We'd only given her one drink at that time period. And then at that point, I need to figure out what's happened and why the situation's uh, occurring and what we can do to keep them safe. And I also, at that time period, do not want to let this woman leave with a person who is taking what doesn't seem to be care of them, but has led them into the situation that they're at. And so at that point, it really is a hard judgment call to make on how to help these people and uh, but the biggest thing is that we do want to help them and that's that's the biggest thing so of course so what did you do at that point uh well so this was a very this situation was very unique where at first i thought she was really really drunk and so what we did is we got her out of the bar i sat her down on her patio we got a chair for her but she started falling over where she hit her head against the table and we had no idea what was happening and uh turned out that it was two people that were co-workers working in environmental politics and that they had uh, t- kind of known each other, came from one other bar. But I didn't feel very comfortable uh, with the gentleman with her because he was not overly concerned with her falling over and being so all suddenly intoxicated. And what was his state of intoxication? He was dead sober. And so it was, uh, and not only that, but I'd met him previously and had a few inter- uh, interactions with him. And 
I, as for a judgment call, I had two, I had uh, three of my staff members all hanging out with us and uh, helping support this woman. And the gentleman kept on saying, don't worry, I'll take care of her and we'll bring her home. We'll bring her home. And at this and the woman didn't know her name. She did not know what her address was. And so what happened is at that time period, we would not let him take her. And no matter what was going to happen. And so what we did is we actually had to use her thumbprint uh, to open up her cell phone, go through her Uber and figure out where her home was and have somebody escort her back to her place. And she showed up uh, really kind of uh, like where she'd fallen over a few more times. Uh, she woke up the next day and called me. And she uh, started speaking with her. And she let us know that she'd had one drink the night before and that she had met this man that she really didn't know and immediately had uh, blacked out and didn't remember anything from the night at all. She'd uh, gone to a local hospital. But the situation in the local hospital is that this often happens where women should come in, say that they've been drugged, and due to our healthcare system and what the costs are, they do not administer the, te the toxicology test. And uh, they would not help her at that moment. And so we ended up going through our surveillance uh, videos that we had. We have cameras all over the place for protection for all of our guests. And we're trying to figure out when, if he had possibly drugged her or where, when that option, or when. Uh, anything we've entered her drink or uh, if we'd seen anybody reaching around and it was just it's so hard to find that now because there's a lot of different drugs with their small liquid forms or small little crushed pills and so it's a uh, I spoke with her for about two days, constantly trying to help her, trying to figure out, put, put the pieces together about what happened to her that evening. But uh, we ended up getting almost zero answers from that. And unfortunately, the man who was involved with the situation had, was in local politics, and we could not expose him, nor did we want to make accusations as well because of the liability in the bar situation. And so we kept on, all I could do at that point was support her. I had uh, let the gentleman know that he was no longer allowed in our establishment. And he tried coming back a few different times, and uh, we fought that. But uh, through the years, we had multiple different situations like this happen. And it's really hard as a bar manager to figure out, you know, you're trying to run a bar. And you're trying to make sure inside your front walls everything's safe. But at the same time, you can't just sit there and go, you know, you you. You can't just sit there and watch on your cameras and make sure that everybody is, you know, that there's nothing happening. And so it's a real hard gray area of what you're going to do is support your guest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know a lot of times um, the drugs that are used in these situations don't actually stay in the system long enough. So even if they do the test, it's not going to yeah. show up. Um, did you call the police at the time? Or? We did not call the police because I had zero video of actually seeing the drug being administered. Uh, the woman, because of her job and uh, the situation that she'd been in, she did not feel comfortable also moving forward with trying to contact the police uh, because she did not have a toxicology report. And at that point, she just felt lost and that she had no support. And once again, this poor girl showed up, had one drink, and then completely blacked out, fell over multiple times, came home bloody, and it's just there's no way to help her whatsoever at that point. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that it's pretty obvious yeah. what happened, but there's just no way to prove it no. in that case. And that's what's so scary about, about this type of thing. Um, what are some other situations that other maybe situ are a little different? You know, it's uh, well, when you try to provide safety and trying to figure out what's going on with the situation. Uh, we a few years ago, I had a uh, 
two different regulars that would come to the bar that did not know each other. They come at different nights, sit in different areas of the bar. And unfortunately, one night, uh, the gentleman ended up taking the girl home. And uh, they were, you know, having just a normal night after bar. But at the end of the night, she did not feel safe uh, with him. And she said that she'd been raped by the gentleman. And When did uh, she, she say that? Uh, she had actually told some some of our different regulars afterwards about what happened. And this gentleman would come into our bar all the time, was very much involved with hitting on women and trying to uh, engage with uh, different uh, customers and bring them home. And we really were not aware of what was happening at all. And I'd heard a couple of rumors about uh, these uh, of the situation happening, but nobody had actually came and spoke with me about the situation until one day at the bar... Uh, a woman comes up and she started yelling inside the bar that this bar allows rapists inside their bar and that this man had raped this woman. And he was there. And uh, they were both there. And uh, we did not know what the situation was really at all. All my staff behind the bar had their mouths open agape. And uh, so at that point, you know, our security got involved with it and we didn't know what to do. There was an accusation by one person against another customer, and that customer was adamant that he had nothing to do with that situation, that this woman had been lying about that. And so as a bar that's offering alcohol, what do we do in that situation? Right. That's, you know? And you guys are completely blindsided. We are completely like. blindsided. You know, and uh, my staff immediately does not want to serve the gentleman that's been accused, and they want to support the accuser at that time, which I totally agree with. But also as a bar and as a business, we are not judge and jury. And that is really what became the whole uh, conversation amongst the whole staff is how do we proceed moving forward to help everybody out? And uh, we really didn't know what to do. And unfortunately, what I, what, as a staff, it came down to uh, the choice was we either banned both of them uh, because we didn't want, we have one person that's yelling, telling people what's going on that we really do want to support. We also have a gentleman that has come in that we haven't seen any instances of him actually being hostile or aggressive towards anybody, but he's been accused. And we don't want to leave them both inside the bar. Uh, and we don't want them, you know, and we want them both to be safe. So what do you do in that situation? And it really became a struggle. And uh, I ended up having to pull the gentleman aside, explain to him the situation a week later when he came back to um, frequent the bar that I told him that he'd been accused. I did not feel comfortable serving him at this time. Um, and that was probably best that he not come back to the bar. And that caused a huge rift. And once again, this person went on social media, accused us of different things. And it just, uh, it was a lose-lose situation for us as employees. But also we want to keep people safe. And it just you kind of make these decisions up as you go. And just try to be supportive of everybody. That's yeah. a tough call. Yeah. Uh, and the night when they were there, like... Was was she yelling? Or? So she'd actually told uh, a cus- another uh, guest that we had of uh, what happened. And that is a woman there who went then up to the front door screaming at uh, everybody about the situation. It was a Sunday night. We're in an industry bar, so we probably had about 60, 70 people at the bar at the time period. And they have no idea what's going on. And this woman is just yelling about this rapist that's inside the bar. And the, my security and I are just staring at each other. And we're just we're hands up, wondering what to do. And at this point, my security is very, he was very good about uh, separating everybody and then asking everybody to leave. But at that time, 
my most all my bartenders that were working that evening were female, and they're like, "Well, why are we asking this woman to leave?" Uh, first of all, she feels that she's been attacked by this man. Secondly, we should support any accuser or any accusations in the situation, and we are women first, and we stand up for everybody in our community. And so, at this point, as a management, we were just like, "All right, we're gonna call it a night. Everybody's gotta go." And we'll discuss this later. Uh, but it really was a lose-lose situation for everybody. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously it diffused the immediate situation. Correct. Do you think you would have done the same thing again if, if something like that happened? Um, you know, it's... I mean, you're talking about, like, once again, trying to be judge and jury yeah. as a bar establishment. You know, we're just trying to provide a safe area for people to come and have drinks. Uh, I don't like trying to moving forward with it. We decided that if there was going to be any other accusations, we're going to continue asking both uh, parties to leave. But that doesn't. Well, once again, that keeps the business safe. Secondly, if you're going to run a bar that you're trying to be a group community bar that's going to support the city, you really want to stand up for everybody that's uh, coming into your place and that you want them to feel safe at all times and that they're welcome as well. And so it really, uh, there was no way to really make this into a better situation long term. It's uh, really, you just talk about with your staff once again, like, hey, we're just, we really have to be eyes open. We have to be aware of what's happening with the situations around us. And you're just really got to make sure that it's always safe. Um, you know, it's in, right now with going with Oakland and the changes that are going on there. There is violence. There's a lot of lots of drugs. There's lots of different uh, unique uh, environments that are going on that you don't see in a lot of different areas around America. And so at this point, it's uh, you really just have to work on communication with your staff and knowing what the protocols are for what we're going to do to keep each other safe at all times. We have to look out for each other. Have you ever had a situation uh, where one of your staff was in danger? From a customer or maybe another staff member, even. Uh, well, it's uh, when you in danger, yes, um, and it's more so in California than other places right now. Uh, in Oakland, I've had it where I've we had very, I had the best security that there was that I've ever seen inside a bar, and in a, you're in an environment where a lot of gentrification is happening, where there's a lot of. Uh, People that you have new people coming into Oakland that have a lot of money and that want to party and they are not from that area. They don't understand the culture of what Oakland is. And uh, with that comes a lot of unique racism and uh, also a lot of people that want to show off as well. And so we had many, many fights where people would come and try to attack uh, a lot of my security. And we... My guys did stand up for themselves a few times where they were attacked, and then they also would fight back. But uh, one thing that there is in that area, there is a lot of guns and a lot of weapons out there. So we have, I had, I overstaff with all my security because of that to protect them. And, uh, you know, I, over the years, I've had knives pulled on me. I've had uh, recently, uh, a couple years ago in Oakland, I had a man come after me with a, with a chain uh, uh, that he tried swinging at me. Um, and my other staff has been punched. They've been hit. Uh, I've had it, uh, unfortunately, a couple, about a year ago, I got punched in the face by a uh, person, a woman that I was trying to help, who was in a fight with another person. And she just came and yelled at me and just punched me across the face. Um, and it's, uh, I'm not proud of these situations by any means. And it's something that we constantly work on making it 
uh, a healthier environment, while at the same time it's really a it's a battle because in California there's not as many police in the bar areas. Um, in Minneapolis, we have it where you have off-duty cops or outside your bars. You have patrols walking up and down the streets. And many times in Oakland, I would not see a police officer for two hours. And if I would call the police, they would let me know that there's a 45-minute wait or there's 50 phone calls of reports ahead of me that they would have to help before they could come assist us. Where I've had a man outside waving a gun, and the police told us to lock the doors and go inside to be safe, that they could not come and help us. And so it's uh, really at that point I learned that it's about overstaffing with security and just being hyper aware of all situations, controlling your music and controlling also how many ins and outs go through your bar at the same time. Uh, it was over the last few years, one thing that's changed is that as a bar manager, my focus can no longer be on making the best cocktails and creating the best environment inside my four walls or a lot of my environment or a lot of my time is controlling what's happening outside of my bar. And that was uh, at least a lot of stress. It uh, doesn't make it as much fun. And so it's, uh, but also at the same time, uh, I believe my staff, we, were, we became just way more family uh, focused because we had to depend on each other so much. And uh, really, uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate and love my staff that I've had over the last three years because of that. It sounds like that was a big part of what kept you going. Is the connection you had with your staff? Very much so. It's uh, they depended on me, and uh, and they did, and I depended on them as well. And uh, it's uh, you know, there's there's different types of environments that you have inside bars, right? You either have you know t- things where people just come in and they just work and they clock out and they don't really uh, share a drink afterwards. They just uh, they call it a day. And then there's other environments where. You've grown up together. You work together for multiple years, open the place. And uh, it's, uh, it's the only type of environment that I really love. And it's what I always look for. And uh, because of that, I always really take a role where I, like, it's, they're like my kids. And so it's, uh, I, I just, it's what makes me thrive and pushes me to be able to look past some of these situations that happened and know that as a team we're working to better things around us. And our community really does... Uh, thank us many times for what we've been able to do. How do you feel when these, personally, when these bad things happen? Um, you know, it's, there's, <laughs> I, uh, it's horrible. Uh, they're, hearing the sound of human flesh on flesh hitting each other, you never forget that sound. You never, I'll wake up the next day and I still hear it ringing in my brain and I just, uh, it, it's very difficult. It's uh, it, it's not healthy by any means to be around this type of environment. Um, I think uh, you know one of those things I'm focusing on now is getting therapy to help deal with these type of situations. Um, I also have recently left that job uh, to move on to a restaurant world because I felt like it uh, really affected me in different ways with how I looked at the streets and how I looked at uh, just walking down Oakland at night. Um, there's two different worlds that I there's the world that the normal person that has recently moved to Oakland or that doesn't live in the downtown area, how they see perceive the area. And then there is the way that I saw the, uh, the neighborhood to be after 10 o'clock at night. And uh, as if you've seen the movie Blind Spotting that came out recently about Oakland, it's very accurate and very true. And when I went to go see that movie, 
I left and I just cried with my girlfriend because I'm like, this is what my staff and I go through constantly where you're fighting through the gentrification, you're fighting through the different cultures that are moving through there. And there is just violence that is just normal and happening. And there's just, you can't stop it. And it's, fighting happens everywhere, right? With all races and all cultures. And it's just, while trying to protect yourself in Oakland, there's just not much you can do but lean on your staff and each other as family and support and to talk about it and to just have sympathy for each other. And honestly, these situations happen multiple times a week in those in the bar areas around where we were at. And it's just, like, really, I mean, it's just, it was just talking and communicating with each other. It's, it's, it's hard. I mean that's trauma. That's that's dealing with trauma. Right. You know, if you to put a name on it. it. It very much is. You know. And uh you know, and but also um you know with the with tech coming into Oakland and coming in so fast and prices going up, uh the people that are staying and working in our industry in the, these areas, they love the community of Oakland. They 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 feel that they and they are uh the main staple of what the culture is and uh and so with that being said, they want to be in this environment and they want to look out for each other and be leaders in the community. Um, you know, it's, uh, we've had, uh, so one crazy situation that we've had recently was in July, I got a message, uh, sorry, on Facebook asking what my personal opinion was about the Proud Boys coming into my bar. And uh, the Proud Boys is a radical uh, some people call alt-right group that is, you know, part of, uh, has risen since Trump became president. And these people are considered somewhat racist and have very unique points of view that are not shared by anybody in Oakland is uh, what our feelings were. And we did not want these people in the bar, of course, but you also couldn't identify who they were. And uh, we didn't know if they were actually coming to the area and what they were looking for in the situation. Mostly what they're looking for is to come into the bar area and to start fights and to cause drama and then to take videos or photos of the situation. So we didn't know what to do at the situa- uh, with what was happening there. And so what we ended up doing is we decided to run a fundraiser for local groups uh, to help uh, support anything that the Proud Boys would not want to be a part of while they came into our area. So we got some DJs that volunteered their time, multiple different nonprofits that were in a few block radius of the bar to come and help us out. And we did a fundraiser for ACLU, the Transgender Law Center, Planned Parenthood, Black Lives Matters. And we were uh, just going to have a wonderful, great day to sit there and show that we are against everything that these people are supporting of being all right you stood up to we we tried to so it was a really interesting so what ended up happening is that we had the fundraiser going on but then the night before nia wilson at the uh, macarthur bard station was unfortunately killed by a deranged man who slit her and her sister's throat and uh people were scared it was a random attack where these girls were young young women just minding their own business the man just walked up to them and did this horrible act and also what happened afterwards is that people associated the attacker with being with the Proud Boys and then also posted on social media that the Proud Boys were coming to my bar and that they, we were hosting them and allowing them to come there. So the next day, uh, I show up at work at 11 o'clock as we're preparing for the fundraiser and my owners and uh, my owners come up to me and they're like, hey, we've had a death threat left on the phone. We just got it. 
And so we go, we listen to it. A man says that if we open up the bar, that he will drive by the bar and shoot everybody that's inside of it. This happened. 15 minutes later, the police show up and go, we heard that you've had some death threats against you. So the man obviously called us, then called the police to let them know. And what ended up happening there, that part is that, so we're like, okay, figure out what to do. Is this guy serious? Is he not? We're kind of like, well, we got security. The police now are here to let us know that, well, they'll drive by, they'll look at the situation, see what ends up happening. And then what turns from that is that, uh, Next thing you know, Mayor Libby Schaff is on television saying that she supports us as a bar, having fundraisers against the alt-right group, and that Oakland is, supports us as well. And then all of a sudden, more phone calls are coming in for us. The police show up, and they're like, we're going with full riot gear tonight. And they brought over 100 police in uh, to shut down all Telegraph Avenue. They had people on motorcycles driving, police and motorcycles driving around, cop cars going up and down. Different businesses uh, associated with us on the block started having signs up and down the block saying that they support us, that they're against racism. And things were, you know, tense, and we were, but we were supportive, and we were hoping that these Proud Boys did not show up. Well, we go through about three hours of this uh, fundraiser, still haven't seen any of these Proud Boys that announced that they were going to come, and there was a vigil for Neo Wilson happening at MacArthur Bard Station at the same time, and they announced during the vigil that the Proud Boys were at our bar and that we were hosting them once again. And so 1,400 people left the vigil from MacArthur Bard Station and marched down Telegraph Avenue towards our bar, right? I've got five security guys on. We're just having some drinks, hanging out, and all of a sudden we get a bum rush of people coming to go confront these Proud Boy people. And it was one of the most intense, crazy situations I've ever seen in my life. So were they and actually there? Did you ever We never saw them? any of them. There was rumors that these guys showed up a few blocks. Uh, some people showed up wearing American flag shorts and T-shirts and were trying to antagonize people, and they did get beat up pretty violently. And there was many fights through the streets uh, between Broadway and Telegraph Avenue as uh, people were just having altercations everywhere. And it was, uh, it was that was actually the day that I yeah, that we decided that I was going to move on and go do a different job. <laughs> I was just not going to have that anymore. And I've seen these photos of it. If you look at it, where our situation was, where just a sea of people for block after block down there, and it was uh, really an intense situation. But. Uh, after that happened, it was really cool because Black Lives Matter showed up and thanked us for what we did to try to support their community, to stand up for them. And our staff, we were all just, you know, we had we all had PTSD from the situation. And we ended up having meetings where we sat down and talked with each other about what was going on. And it's uh, whether you're dealing with people with drugs and whether with uh, protecting uh, each customer that comes inside the bar or doing it outside, it's... Uh, we just realized that what we need to do is just support the community no matter what happens. And so it's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, we take great pride in that. It's, uh, that's why, you know, just like I say that my living room, my bar is my living room. I just, I want everywhere around my bar to also be a place that people feel safe and they're welcome to, and they want to come and engage with us. I mean, that's why we do this. We don't, you don't work in Oakland and San Francisco for the money that comes from bars. It doesn't change your life. It doesn't change uh, your living situation. It won't give you a new car or anything like that. You do this because you love who you work with and also you love giving service to the guest. That's incredibly noble yeah. to, to stand up and and really support the community in that way. Like on the front lines, like literally on the front lines. Yeah. How 
But again, this is this is incredibly traumatic. It's how do lesson. you how do you mention going to therapy yourself uh, and that being helpful? But what do you do? What are some things that you do together as a staff to help get through these? To help <laughs> to help us live this life of, of having to deal with this kind of like violence. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's a lot of drinking together. But uh, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those things that it's, once again, because you need people do this job because they love it and they love their community that they're from. It's, uh, you just, all, you can, all you can do is just just talk about it and just to go, what are we going to do next? What what could we have done different? You know, you, you brainstorm about everything. You know, it's like, so in that situation, let's say, uh, so these guys are known to go into bars in, in Los Angeles, all around the country to cause situations. They want to be attacked and have the videos be shown. And so um, in some areas, you've had it where the staff has just tried to physically push people out. You've also had it where I've heard stories now where people inside the bar have gotten violent with these people and to shove them out. Uh, you know, we've tried to figure out what do we do in these situations? Do you close the bar down and just not have them come in? Well, what stops them from coming the next day? All you're doing is antagonizing them at that situation. Um, and really, it's just you just hope it just doesn't happen. It's uh, when you're just you're just trying to run a small business. You know, it's not like we're a multi-million dollar corporation that's making, uh, you know, all this money that can sit there and dictate their full environment around them. You are just literally running a bar where you're welcoming any guest that walks in and you never, ever discriminate against anybody. And that's, you know, we give the equal quality of service to anybody that walks in. And so you try to focus on that while also supporting everybody that's inside the community. Um, you know, it's I've seen more racism and more anger ever since Trump's been elected, and it has affected people inside bars. And uh, you know, and it, I'd say that eighty to eighty-five percent of the fights that I see are because people use offensive language, use the n-word towards each other, and uh, it's it's really a, it's a tough environment right now. It's a, it's a whole different world than we had ten years ago in bars, and so it's just about being supportive of each other. Yeah. Yeah. In this situation, uh, would you have done something differently now that you know what you know? Yeah, I would not have done the fundraiser. Um, I really, I'm, we're really happy that we raised money for our local charities and things like that. But I probably would have tried to calm down the situation a little bit more rather than ramping it up. Uh, it affected too many people. And I feel that everybody that got hurt outside was because of our choices to run the fundraiser. And there's nothing that we could have done at the time period. Uh, where we could have been able to support people on either side. And, I, and some people say the bad people did get beat up, but I don't want anybody ever to get hurt in my right. environment at all, ever. No, that's not going to solve the problem. No. It's just... So it's, it's a lose-lose situation. And uh, social media is changing everything, where it's given people that shouldn't always have a voice of voice and their uh, opportunity to share their experiences and antagonizes people to do more things towards each other. And so at this point, it's, uh, I think we're all learning together on how to handle these situations. And, uh, you know, with every situation, you have to make a few mistakes before you make the right ones, is what I've learned in, as a manager. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing yeah. this knowledge. I hope it can help other people out there. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Cheers. That was Nate Olson. He currently manages Lungamare in Oakland. Now, these situations are just so hard to handle, and we can only do our best and hope nobody gets hurt. It's important to maintain awareness and stop problems before they happen. Take care of yourself and your crew. Talk about it together. We're going to talk much more about these kinds of things, so make sure to hit subscribe. Tune in every week. We'll see you next time.